All right, everybody. Today on the podcast, we are addressing one of the biggest mistakes that a product leader, be it a product manager, CEO, founder, makes early in the process of bringing something to market, whether that be a new product, a new feature, a new functionality. Everyone makes this mistake, almost everybody. It's the mistake of, you know, you're, you're taking a shower, you're taking, uh, you're washing dishes, and you get this aha thought in your head. Wow, this concept is going to change the world. You spend weeks or months building out a new product, this new feature, maybe it's writing code, maybe it's building a website, maybe you're investing thousands of dollars to bring it to life, and the minute it's ready to launch, crickets, falls flat on its face. All, the, all your friends and family who were hyping you up along the way, no one's pulling out their credit card to make an investment. And we sit there scratching our head. Most leaders in the product space will experience this in their life, in their career, especially early on, because it's natural. We're humans. We get creative inspiration that drives action. And I think we really need to, as leaders, exercise some constraint and conduct constant, continual dialogue with our users, or at least our potential users, our hypothesized customer. That's what we're talking about today on the prod, on the podcast. Also known as user research, conducting user research. The biggest issue, the biggest mistake that most young product leaders will face is not properly conducting user research before bringing, before even building a prototype, right? So before you even build your V1, your MVP of your product, are you having at least, at least 10, if not 20 interviews with your ideal customer? Now, there's three reasons why this adds a ton of value to your business and your product overall. One, it either validates your idea or you're going to fail fast. As humans, we, we often think that there's only one amazing idea and we better build this and execute on it. That's not really true. I believe that when you have the bandwidth in the space, you can come up with infinite creative ideas. Infinite. So keep that in mind. What is the opportunity cost of the current idea that you have, right? If you are so committed to this idea, it basically takes away any opportunity for you to, to ideate on what could be 200 great ideas, so really acknowledge and give yourself credit that you're potentially an idea machine and it's worth really, really vetting out this idea before you invest so much time bringing it to life because you'll have other phenomenal ideas. When you conduct user research, you'll either get reinforcement that this is actually worth pursuing and that the people that you think want to use it do want to use it or they'll tell you, no, this is a horrible idea. They'll say it in a nice way probably, but you'll learn. And regardless, you will get so much valuable information, which leads me to point number two, which is you get to crowdsource your eventual backlog of features or functionality. Whether this is a software product or not, you might have an idea of two things. One, who's going to use it and what it's going to do and how it's going to solve their problems. But through user research, that might shift. You might realize this is not your target demographic, but there is a different demographic that this product is for, or this is the right group of people, but there's actually a different 
frame on how you can add value to their life that's different from what you initially thought of. So you're actually asking these people who are going to be your eventual customers to help you build out your feature backlog. We should never, as leaders, think that we know everything. We don't. We know almost nothing, I think, is a great way to approach life and, and always be curious and always ask questions. And three is build out a list of ready-to-purchase customers by the time you finally have a marketable product, right? We'll talk about how to do that more systematically, but if you're finding these people and they're excited about this idea that does not yet exist and they're a fit, you get their contact information and they're the first person you go to to use your product. Okay, so those are the benefits of user research. How do you actually go about doing user research when you have an idea for a product? The first thing you need to do is create a hypothesis for both your product and who you're going to serve. So I believe the the best conception for any product you're bringing to market is pain. Pain or value add opportunity, which still usually is rooted in pain. So what's the pain you're addressing? And to, to have a pain, you need to understand the person. So who are they? What's their demographic? What's their age? Where do they live? What's their life like? What do they do with their free time? Where do they work? And what pain are they having? The pain is the real thing that we focus on in product, right? Um, is it time-related? Is it financial? Is it emotional? Where are they not having their utmost needs and desires met? And those are, those are falling short. That should really be – your product should be answering that question or else there's probably not a very high likelihood of success. And once you have that, you create your hypothesis. And you probably already have your hypothesis if you're here at this point. But you have a hypothesis of based on this user, based on this user persona. This is our hypothesis on how we can add value to their life at a high level, how we can, the problem we're solving and how we're going to solve it and what it's going to look like and how much we're going to charge. I mean, not, not, I really strongly encourage you not to be deeply connected to these things or stubborn about this is the way you're going to do it. But when you start to have these conversations, you want to be able to propose a hypothesis that they can actually digest and understand or else. Because if you have nothing, if you have no plan, no no really thought through concept on how you bring this to life, you're not really having much of a conversation with this person in general. So you start with your hypothesis. Okay, so you have your hypothesis. The next thing I would do when conducting user research for a product I'm going to bring to market is... Make a conversation plan. And this is like when you, when you do actually have your list of 10 to 20 people you're going to interview and conduct research with, what kind of conversation are you going to have with them? So these are the elements I believe are very important to include in this conversation. Again, what is your deepest pain as it relates to the product? How does this pain show up in their life? Is it financial? Is it time? Is it emotional? And how does this pain, like, I really want to go deep into it because this is marketing gold once you finally create your, create your marketing funnels and your pages and things like that. How does this pain affect the other areas of your life, right? If I'm selling, if, if I'm to market Uber and I understand like, hey, uh, Uber for teenage kids, like maybe that's what I'm, I'm launching a marketing campaign to drive more parents to use Uber for their children. I would, I might understand that a pain is I spend so much time as a mom driving my children around to and from school. That's a pain. 
that's a time pain. But if I dig deeper under the surface, I want to create as much of a spider web to understand how this affects the other areas of our life because then the value of addressing this problem skyrockets, right? Okay, cool. So how does that affect your mental and emotional well-being? Well, I'm way more stressed because I've, I never have any time for myself. I'm always in the car. Okay, well, interesting. Do you notice that having any effects on your health? Oh, yeah, I actually i have gained like 15 pounds in the last couple months. Oh, interesting. How about your intimate relationship with your husband? How is that affected at all by the fact that you are spending so much time uh, flying around town driving? Yeah, actually, we have like no intimate time together and we've had a more, way more of a tense relationship. Oh, interesting. Okay, see where I'm going with it is like really understanding how you can create com- potentially without being attached to your solution stacking all these pains on top of each other. Whether your Uber solution is the right solution or not, you're creating a very, very compelling argument for a pain that exists and helping them see it with clarity. All right, so next you want to understand what they're currently doing to address their pain. What solutions have they tried? Is it working? What do they like about it? What do they not like about it? Where is their current approach not meeting their needs and how much are they paying? So if you take the same example, where the mom is trying to mitigate how much she's driving around. Okay, what are you currently doing to address that solution? Well, me and the other mom in the neighborhood take shifts on who drives our kids. How's that going for you? Well, it's really great because a couple days a week, I usually don't have to drive my children, but sometimes Cindy doesn't let me know that she actually can't drive and I have to scramble last minute and it actually causes more stress than I would have even dealt with in the beginning. So the more specific and the more you can drill down into these examples, the more marketing gold you will have in the future. And you want to understand how much they're paying because that will really determine product market fit. Because if I have a proposed solution that costs $200 a month and totally eradicates their pain, but they're currently able to address 80% 80 of their pain for $20 a month, are they going to pay for your solution? Depends. Maybe, maybe not but you wanna understand and have that data. So then you can pitch them your idea and understand, are, is it something that they would like? Would it meet their need? And would they be willing to pay for it? And if so, how much? That's really important. You really wanna understand that because people get enthusiastic about, about your idea, but the minute that the credit card box shows up online, people have hesitancy. So you really need to understand what it's worth to them and are they going to pay for it? And lastly, after you have this conversation, assuming you've got a solid product market fit, you really want to enroll them into being one of your first beta testers or users. So what does that look like? Hey, we're actually working on a solution that addresses these exact needs. Would you like me to keep you in the loop when it's going to market? You can either sell them straight into the product or create a uh panel of users who you meet with on a monthly basis and get feedback from as you're like day one uh, core test users, that's also very valuable. So you can take either approach. Okay, so you have a plan for what you're going to communicate once you have these people identified. How do you find them? So there's a few considerations. The first is don't go to your personal network unless they're actually your target demographic. So many people go to their friends and their mom when they have an exciting product idea. This can really tank your product development if it's not aligned because you're getting feedback from the wrong person 
and they're probably going to give you positive feedback because they like you as an individual. If you're fortunate enough that your target demographic really is uh, the type of people you surround yourself with, awesome, use them. But just make sure that they're giving you really honest, authentic feedback, not just being polite to you. So what can you do? One, you can ask your network for referrals. So even if the people in your circle aren't the people, you can ask them, hey, this is the type of person I'm looking to connect with. Do you have anyone in your network who could fit that? And I'm going to talk in a minute about how you actually uh, enroll these people into supporting you. But this is just how to identify them. Social media is another great location. You can look at groups on LinkedIn. You can go to Instagram and TikTok, look up hashtags, online forums such as Reddit, comments on YouTube, etc. Really what you want to do is think about who is this person? Okay, it's a soccer mom who drives too much. Okay, what sort of content is she consuming online? How can I find her? And then start dialogue from that place. Conferences are another great option. You probably only need to go to one public event and just really make the most of it if you're trying to get 10 to 20 really solid user research conversations. Essentially, create dialogue with a ton of people at a conference and just set up five to 10 minute interviews back to back at a local coffee shop, offer to buy them coffee. Um, If they're interested and passionate about the topic that you're currently addressing, they will likely be more than willing to spend that time. Okay, so how do you get these people once you've identified them to uh, support you, right? 10, 15 minutes of a survey is time. It's not a ton of time, but you still need to enroll them into supporting you. This, This is my golden rule for all relationships is lead with value. Life is about relationships. You only get as far as, well, of course, as individuals, you can create a bunch of awesome progress and growth, but having an awesome network is invaluable in hitting pretty much any goal that you have for yourself, or at least makes it so much easier. So the way to build an awesome thriving network in all areas of life, but also specifically here for user research is lead with value. If you find these people online, look them up, look at their portfolio, look at their background, look at their profile, figure out how you can add value before you make any ask that might be sharing their content, commenting on it, offering to, hey, I would actually love to connect you with this person. I think they might be able to add a ton of value to the stage you're at with growth in your company. You know, some companies will just dish out $10 Amazon gift cards for user surveys. That's fine, but I think you can also be way more creative about it. And if you're meeting them in person, just lead with curiosity. Understand them. Don't just go in with all about yourself. Understand them, their goals, and figure out how you can help them. And then you make the request, but you really just want to make sure you're having an equal value exchange. So that's how I personally go about conducting user research. It has personally saved me so much time and energy and financial capital once I started implementing this at the beginning of any product launch or feature launch that I'm driving for a business. Uh, I hope it helps you on your journey. If you enjoyed this episode, couple things. I would love for you to rate us on the app store. I would love for you to share this episode with someone in your network, maybe a product manager, maybe a CEO who's on this journey and this specific topic would add value to them. And let us know what sort of conversation topics you want us to cover on the podcast. With that, go out there, have an amazing day and build products that change the world.